welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, podcasting from the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center in Chicagoland, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang. Welcome to the Setzer Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our day. My name is Daniel Yang, the director of the Church Multiplication Institute, and today we're talking with Nick Hall. Nick's an evangelist, the visionary of Together, the founder and president of Pulse, and the author of the book Reset, Jesus Changes Everything. He's regularly featured as a speaker for pastors' gatherings, student conferences, training events, and festivals around the world. Nick's also the president and CEO of the Table Coalition and sits on the executive committee of the board of the National Association of Evangelicals. Let me mention that this episode of the podcast came from a radio interview on Ed's radio show. Ed shows Ed Stetzer Live and airs on over 100 stations through Moody Radio and its affiliates. So when you hear callers, don't be surprised. It's just that the content was so good and timely, we wanted to share it with you. We also want to remind you that if you are enjoying our episodes, it would help us if you left a review. Now let's go to Ed Setzer, Editor-in-Chief of Outreach Magazine and the incoming Dean at Talbot School of Theology. Nick, thanks for taking the time to join us. Ed, so glad to hear your voice. So excited to be on. Uh, man, what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive is indeed. So, so, um, so, of course, we were you were texting, and there's a text thread that we're on uh, that you were sharing with some of the leaders of the NAE National Association of Evangelicals, where we serve together on the board, and more. So, you got you got like real engaged and involved. Um, you have a real love and a passion for students and spiritual awakening among the next generation as well. So, so, I mean, you know, the Asbury Rival. Uh, revival, uh, took Kentucky by storm, got a lot of attention. Uh, tell me what it was like to be there and tell me, t- just kind of walk through how you got engaged, how you got involved and all that. Yeah, man, it, it, uh, I'll tell you, I, I have been telling people and I don't say this lightly. I, I really feel like these last weeks are, uh, have changed my life. Mm. Um, I, uh, I, I mean, top, top five experiences in my faith journey have been the last, you know, four to six weeks. And so I am, I am like, so amped. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, I, uh, so going back, um, end of January, February, and I think all these things are connected. Like I think even the DeMar Hamlin, uh, you know, cardiac arrest on Monday night football and the prayer that broke out. And then, you know, uh, a lot of things have been happening. I mean, so we, we were doing these secular university events, seeing seeing like in a super uncommon uh, percent of people responding to the gospel, like never seen it before, never seen this kind of percentages um, in some some universities, half the room, you know, University of Michigan, University of Wisconsin, Madison, like just something. And in fact, I was texting friends who have been in this work for a while. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on is this, you know, could this be, you know, revival dot, dot, dot. And literally within a day I get, you know, a report from Asbury that, you know, chapel started and hasn't ended. And then everybody who's in that space is like, well, what's going on? It goes a day, it goes two days, it goes three days. Um, I get off the road and I probably like you had, you know, I knew of the 1970 Asbury revival, which went 144 hours and I had, you know, I had two and a half, three days home before I was supposed to be back out on this tour. And I was, you know, my wife, Tiffany is like, honey, you're going to drive us nuts. Um, being home, you have to go down there. <laughs> and, uh, and, 
and so I just, I, I literally went, I'm be honest, like I went two reasons. Like one, I'm like anybody else, you know, when I hear of something, I, I'm a little cynical. Um, I've seen all the tricks and I know how to do them. And, uh, you know, and it's just like, it's a, it's a game, right. In, in this Christian faith of like, man, you, you get jaded as you get older, you get skeptical as you get older. And yet I went there and I was like, man, if this is real, I want to see it. And not only was it real and genuine, like it, it, it really rocked my life. Like I was one of many, you know, on the altar crying. This was the least cool uh, thing you can imagine. You know, this is, I, I kind of told friends, this is like, uh, this is youth Sunday at church when the only people who think it's good is the moms. <laughs> and, um, and yet it just was so pure. It was so unpolished. It was so, yeah, just like reverent unto the Lord. And, uh, yeah, I mean, something amazing, something amazing happened and I would say is still happening. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because the, you know, I saw some of the pictures and of course I'd been to that campus several times. I actually did part of my PhD work at Asbury Seminary, drove there once a week. You know, I was, I was in Louisville, so drove over. So I really like know the campus well. And then to see like lines of hundreds and maybe even thousands of people in tents and overflows and it was kind of fascinating. And of course, this is the first time we actually had a, uh, a revival moment in uh, in the Twitter age. So everybody's got an opinion. We're going to talk about that in just a minute as well. But but before we get there, um, what what do you think fueled this? Where did this? You already mentioned the the I think Demar Hamlin. I don't know sports, but the Buffalo Bills guy who who uh, who had the cardiac arrest on the field and some other things that were precipitating to this. So, but what do you think broadly is fueling this interest in spiritual things that that maybe led to this in the next generation in our current age? Yeah, I mean, I just think we live in an age where uh, people have been so broken, um, you know, and I, I just and I, and I really think like that's the word is we, we have been hurt and we've been hurting and we've been acting like it for, you know, about three years now. And uh, and, and yes, it's only been three years. It may feel like it's been 50, um, you know, but it's just I, I just think the whole world has just been through you know, from a global pandemic to a crazy political, uh, you know, storm to riots to George Floyd to uh, war, uh, you know, to, you know, schools shut down, social distancing, mental health crisis. I mean, it's just everything I feel like that people have stood on has been shaken. Mm -hmm. and, and the irony of this moment is that so many of us, and I'll say me included, like I'm not, I'm not self-righteous. I'm not here to say I'm above it. Like I'm a youth evangelist who has given my life to impacting teenagers and 20 somethings, but I'm just like everybody else. I have judged and I have said negative things and I have been confused about these Gen Z, you know, do they, do they even know how to have a conversation? You know, can they can they lift their their face from their phone? Do they even know what a real job is? You know, is there any work ethic at all, or is it totally <laughs> gone? Um, you know, these are things that I've said. So if if you're like blushing listening to me, I'm repenting in on air 
Um, but, but I just would say like these kids that many have judged, like they are the reason that we are having this conversation right now on revival mm-hmm. because of all the things that maybe have been wrong, I'm realizing there's just a lot of stuff that I haven't understood. And, and, and they literally are so desperate for the Lord. And Asbury, I mean, among many things was ushered in because of 19, you know, mostly high teens, low twenties that just wouldn't leave the presence of God. I mean, this is the Joshua staying behind after Moses is having his encounter. You know, this is 1.9% of the student body at Asbury tarries before the Lord, starts repenting, starts confessing sin, starts encountering healing, and the chapel just gets filled. And, and you said it. I mean, it was literally like, I mean, everything I've read about Woodstock, that's what Wilmore, Kentucky felt like. I mean, mm. the, the grocery store was out of food. Uh, the police force was overrun. Uh, Sunday, the Sunday night, this is two weeks in the line, people waited in line nine hours to get into this auditorium, nine hours, Ed. Wow. Wow. And this is, and the lawn was filled Four other venues were filled. People were traveling from around the world. And I just think it's, why were they coming? They're hungry and they're desperate and people are searching for God. There's a lot of lost people that came. There was atheists that came. I met kids in Wilmore that weren't even followers of Jesus but they went to the meetings numerous times. One of the kids said, you know, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to count the cost, but I definitely feel like God is real now. Okay, and one of the things we're gonna talk about, Nick, is that where you kind of led a, an additional, some activities, and I wanna get there in just a minute, but uh, uh, Rupp Arena and other things, uh, but I wanna get a little more information about, like, so you were there, uh, the meetings went on for a while. I'm assuming you didn't stand the whole time. It was it was weeks. Um, so when you come, what, what did you see? I mean, what were, you mentioned tents, you mentioned people, you mentioned unbelievers. Uh, you know, the live stream was on for a while. It just seemed like some, some you know, small, me- medium-sized church worship team leadership, and which is great. You know, don't people don't hear that as a criticism. But I love the fact that it wasn't all flashy. They didn't have people come in and speak. I imagine lots of people, you know, I saw on Twitter, I'm going to go there. And people were like, no, don't, don't, don't come. So, so how do they, when you saw, how do they manage that as people just around the world were just fascinated by this? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just want to say, man, loud and clear, the leadership at this college, uh, from Dr. Uh, Kevin Brown to the chaplain, Greg Hasselhoff, uh, to so many others are heroes and, uh, and, and they wouldn't want that. In fact, that's the opposite of what they've pursued. But I just would say, you know, you're, you're in the same boat as me, Ed. Like we've been on a lot of Christian colleges, a lot of private institutions. Like you have to be around those spaces to know how complicated it is yeah. to try to cancel plans, rearrange schedules, and just let something like that happen. I mean, it's like... It's crazy. Like, I don't know how many places that would have gone more than two days, more than three days, like, like just for sheer logistics alone. And that's what, that's what people on the outside that criticize and they say, man, how can it shut down and what's going on? It's like, you just have no idea the manpower that this takes. I mean, the police force, the security, that all of it. And so, 
yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I, I described people, what was going on in the room was lots of tears and lots of hugs. I mean, it was, it was weeping at the altar. It was confession before the Lord and it was experiencing the kindness of God. And, you know, and, and when people say, well, what were the elements? I say, man, there's actually like five very, very simple things. And I think that's where this is like revival. You can't plan revival, but there are ingredients that you can bake into your cake and only good things are going to come. Okay. So, so like the ingredients of this, which are consistent in history. And I would say in scripture, it was very humble prayer. It was very humble worship. It was very simple Bible and Bible exhortation. Then it was repentance and confession. And then it was testimonies. And it was literally those five things on repeat for, I don't even know how long, two and a half weeks nonstop. And, and so it just was like, unpolished. I mean, it's like at every turn killing performance. This isn't about a soloist. This isn't about some sensational moment. In fact, anytime anything like that happened, they were so quick to be like, man, this is like bringing the attention back to the Lord. Um, many people were saved. I heard, you know, as many as 700 people gave their life to Christ over the weeks there. I heard there was many miracles. I was in the room one time when something crazy happened. There was a young man from Brazil on stage sharing a testimony and it was mostly Gen Z voices and then the mm -hmm. chaplain staff at Asbury that would right. share. And then there was a church planter kind of um, really amazing guy. In fact, he's kind of the figure that I really see as one of the main, you know, if, if there's a leader of it, there's this 30 something year old, I think he just turned 33. He's a Jewish born, you know, Messianic Jew uh, guy named Zach church planter, amazing, humble man of God. And he was the guest speaker. Hmm. Um, and like, literally it broke out. He hung around with the students and then it just kept going. And he was really shepherding a lot of this for the first week, I would say. Um, but he was just pure. It was remarkable. It was beautiful. Hmm. And, and yeah, it spread and it is spreading. So kids came from like 150 colleges. It's crazy. Um, and, and they all took it back, honestly. I mean, people, it's like they're taking it back. And then you see this popping off at, you know, all over the country, frankly. I mean, you just seen, I was in Kentucky during this. So I was there for four, four, three, four days. Uh, we actually sent a ton of operations team help and volunteers just because we put on events. And so I'm like, guys, right, like, this is what you do. Just wanna, yeah. yeah, like I, I see what's happening and like, we don't care about, you know, we don't need, you know, I just want to see revival, man. Like I've prayed for this my whole life. Like I, yeah. I'm just going to be yep. here, you know? And so like we tried to support, then we went back to Minnesota. Actually, it's where I'm from. And we had an event on Thursday of Valentine's week. It's a monthly young adult service we do in downtown. And we were just like, God, we wanted to spread here. And so we cleared out our desks. We cleared out our parking garage. We brought in 300 extra chairs. Normally we have 150 people come. We had 600 people show up. And we just said, we're not going to leave. And as long as people are hungry and it went for 53 hours wow. in our office and, uh, you know, we had over a thousand people come, uh, people like, honestly, 80% of the people had never even been to our office. <laughs> like these, it was like, I told people, it's like, we we're running a hospital, right? Um, people are coming, getting saved. People are coming. Marriages are being healed. I was leading worship at one point and a 75 year old woman 
took the microphone from my hand. I haven't led worship since I was in college. So I mean, we were, it was all and hands on deck. And there are reasons, might I add, but okay. Yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, come on, man. I got, I got some. Listen, I'm still waiting for, I'm still waiting for the call. I'm still waiting for the call. Exactly. But, uh, but this woman grabs the mic from my hand mid song. And I'm like, no, 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 wait. And she says, I need to repent. Wow. I need to repent of a judgmental spirit. I need to repent that there's hate in my heart for people that don't look like me. Hmm. Wow. I mean, this is just like normal occurrence. And, th and that's one of the things I would say. It's like, yeah, I, I think it's, it's confession and repentance, public mm -hmm. confession, public repentance becoming normalized. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so all this was happening. People would stand up in the middle of Asbury they would say, hey, if you're here and you need to repent, somebody stand up and say, I'm guilty of adultery. And I'm, I'm stuck in my sin. And the whole room would say, the blood of Jesus forgives you. Mm. And then somebody else would stand up and say, I'm addicted to porn. Mm -hmm. Or I have hate in my heart or whatever. The, the blood of Jesus forgives you. And it'd literally be like people like competing with each other for who could confess. Wow. And, uh, wow. and it just, and, and I think that's like what is spreading right now is it's, it's God is healing Revival is about the house being cleaned and healed. Mm. And uh, some people, the prayer of revival is God start with me. Yeah. And so, and I think that's what God's doing is there's a lot of us that have been hurt and hurting and acted like it and tweeted like it and Facebooked like it and <laughs> ranted at our pastor like it. And I just yeah, think no, it's, exactly. Yeah. You know, and I want, I want to talk a little bit about, about how to respond to, you know, the, 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 the critics on social media. But, but again, Nick Hall is our guest. He's the uh, visionary of Together, author of the book Reset, founder and president of Pulse. Uh, we, we, we're friends. We serve together. Uh, you can tell we joke a little bit with one another. But we're talking about something that we're both just fascinated by. Nick made the trip to Asbury. I actually thought about Nick, but I've been in the middle. I mean, I was actually moving things. You know, we're, we're planning for this move. And my wife was like, you are not going anywhere right now when we're having to downsize and move to California. But anyway, eventually they they ended the meetings. And I, you know, I'm always cautious to say ended the revival because it's not like a physical proximate experience only. But um, you then went over to the Rupp Arena, um, which is in Lexington. For those who don't know, I spoke at an event there once. So I, I know nothing about sports, but there were legendary sports figures all over the painted in the wall that probably where you were downstairs and the other uh, before you go out top. So I know that that's a famous sports venue, thousands of seats. And uh, what did you do there? What was, what was uh, you know, was this like a continuation? Was this, tell, tell us about that. Yeah, well, I think, you know, how I would describe it is I think what's happening and the word I keep coming back to is it's an invitation. I think God is inviting people wherever they are in the spectrum. And I know you said there's some people critical, there's some people judgmental. I know we're going to talk about that because I think wherever we're at, whether we're cynical or we're gullible, God invites us to come. Come on. And I think a mark, I think a mark of revival is that people take whatever God's put in their hands and they throw it up as an offering to the Lord, you know, and this is Zacchaeus or, you know, whoever it's like, I'm going to give back what I have. I'm going to do, I'm going to right wrongs. I'm going to, you know, this is like literally social change happens when a heart changes back to God. And so, so I would say what is happening and has happened is everybody who's encountering this is saying, what can I do? And so I was back in Minnesota, you know, this is the last week of the revival. I, was thinking about going back. I wasn't sure. Again, I had a couple days off and I heard this uh, Canadian preacher. Um, I don't even know why I'm watching this. Somebody sends me this link and it's this old man, Canadian guy at his desk with his coffee mug saying, somebody, 
I heard they're shut down the revival on Thursday, and I did some research. <laughs> and there's a there's an arena about twenty minutes called Rupp Arena. Somebody's gonna watch this, and you need to book Rupp Arena. And I'm sitting in my kitchen, literally eating Cheerios, getting ready to coach my son's fourth grade basketball. And I'm like, I could do that, <laughs> you know? And it just like planted a seed that then I just started praying. And uh, that day I texted with the administration at Asbury all day. And my initial thought was that they would lead an event at Rupp and I would organize it, you sure. know? And I was like, guys, let's just move it there. You have literally... 15,000 people coming a day that aren't getting in your auditorium. Like let's, let's move to this massive venue. And, uh, and for two, three days, it was like a back and forth. And ultimately they really felt on Wednesday that they weren't called to do it, but mm -hmm. we said, you know what, God, let's go for it. And it happened that Sunday. So what, 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 what happens? What, what, what happens next at Rupp Arena? What are you doing there and why? Yeah, yeah. So we had basically a commissioning service. Uh, the idea was there's been thousands and thousands of people that have experienced this. And I would say one of the big questions coming from an encounter like this is what about the follow up? You know, what about next steps? Like, what about all these kids that came and experienced God, but didn't have anything to do from there? You know, and again, like, you just got to remember, this wasn't a planned meeting like this, this, uh, the revival, none of it, like nobody, nobody mapped this out and had a strategy like you would think they did, especially if you're the producers of Jesus Revolution, you would think this is all. A, <laughs> exactly. All a great Greg Laurie's, but Greg Laurie's just recently on the show and he's probably like the timing couldn't have been better for the, for oh, both of these conversations. It's crazy. It's crazy. You know, but you know, and somebody said, this feels rigged. I said, it is by Jesus, you know, right. this is absolutely rigged, but but the thing is, it's like, so there wasn't a follow-up plan in place. There wasn't, I mean, even people coming to Christ, like they're doing their best to have follow-up discipleship. But our heart from Rob was to put on a global live stream event from Kentucky, connected to a lot of the people who were at Asbury, and then connecting, especially students, back to ministries and groups that can help them back home. And so, you know, we had this event, thousands of people came, you know, Robert Coleman and many other leaders from Asbury are there, the worship teams, oh, all the I same worship I love, there. I love Robert Coleman, just to put I mean, that in my I fact, can't... Yeah, last time I was at Asbury, I sat in his home and I interviewed him about the Asbury, Asbury Revival. As a matter of fact, people can go to uh, JesusPeopleMovement.com for the oral history we did there, and we were just weeping in his home, praying for another revival. Amazing. His message at, at Rupp Arena, I thought he was sitting from a chair. I mm. thought he was going to fall out of his chair. He was... Yeah. He was, I mean, you're like, this man is in his mid nineties and everybody in the room is just shocked that you can be this passionate and excited about Jesus. Yeah. And so it just, you know, we had a ton of hundreds of people came, came to Jesus. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy stuff, man. I'm not, I'm not even charismatic. I feel like I have to qualify that. I didn't come from a charismatic background. I didn't come from, <laughs> there was a person that came to this event at Rupp Arena paralyzed in a wheelchair and they danced on stage. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like. Uh, there's stuff that I'm like calling my charismatic friends, like, help me understand what exactly is happening. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to tell my Baptist friends, listen, I still believe in the Bible. but Trust me, this is okay, you know. And so it's just you're in the middle. But I mean, God's doing something. And I don't think it has to fit in our explanation all the time. Like, it's just the, the thing I'm saying is when the wind is blowing, you can argue, is this really wind? 
Uh, you can argue and criticize. No, it's not wind because it's not north to south. It has to be east to west. Or, or some people even like, I'm going to study wind. I'm going to go get my doctorate in wind, you know, and I'm going to learn the Greek for wind, you know, and all of this. Like these are all, and I'm not even sarcastically saying this. This is right. how humans react to events. Yeah. Or when the wind blows, you throw your sails up. You know, and I think you're seeing people respond in all those different ways. Now, I'm a yeah. sail up kind of guy. Yep. Other people want to question it. And that's fine. God has space for all of it. Good. Let's take some calls. Let, let's go to uh, Jesse in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I know where Murfreesboro, Tennessee has been there. Jesse, you're live on the air with your question or your comment. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm Jesse from Murfreesboro. I just wanted to uh, encourage all the uh, Christians out there uh, to not be so critical uh, about something that you uh, might not understand or you might not uh, be uh, like accustomed or used to uh, seeing. Uh, Jesus, you know, he said uh, that the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. And so we should be praying uh, for him to send more people and to, for the Lord to spend, send more people into uh, the field uh, because there's just so few that are pointing people to Jesus. And so when we see people pointing people to Jesus and all these incredible movies that are coming out and, uh, you know, these revivals that are breaking out, uh, we should be encouraging them. I mean, we should really just uh, be encouraging them and not looking uh, for what's wrong, uh, not looking to be uh, critical. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to travel and see uh, a lot of different countries, and I've been to churches in those countries. And, uh, it, you know, I'll tell you, it's there's there's uh, worship services that I walked into that I'm not used to, and seeing people so excited, I was, I was just thrilled to see it. I was... Uh, I was pumped and excited too, and uh, and I tell you, man, they're not doing anything wrong to be excited about their Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm, so mm, let's not mm. be uh, let's not be critical to them. Jesse, good good word, Jesse from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Appreciate the call. So I mean, so so you know, I mean, Nick, here's the thing. I, I'm kind of of the view that you know you because you were joking you can go get your doctorate in it well i did get my doctorate in these things and so <laughs> uh, you know so so again and i you know I, i'm at wheaton college and soon to be at talbot school of theology so i got lots of people with their doctorates in it so so i think it's good i think the challenge is i think it's good to think things through but i i think the challenge is, is the immediate assumption of negativity and 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 by the way let me just also, also add using twitter as your source for anything is just a bad idea. Um, you know, I, 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 I just want people to say, you know, Jonathan Edwards wrote Religious Affections. It's, uh, I'm a big uh, Jonathan Edwards, read, read, read it all, love Jonathan Edwards' writing. Um, you know, and he kind of had this approach to just see what the Lord's doing, you know, and uh, don't rush to you know, judgment. If it's, if it's of the Lord, there'll be fruit that flows from it. So when you, I know you got calls from people. I got calls from people. What do you think? And I heard this. Matter of fact, even some of the calls, we won't take them all just for the sake of time. But, you know, some ask questions about, well, I heard this or, or I heard that. How do we respond to that? What, what, how do we think about that? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I'm really learning a lot. And, and this is how I would just say this has impacted me, is just the kindness of God having space for all of us, right? And, and I go back to the, to the New Testament. And in the New Testament, the, the two disciples that you could say, I mean, other than Judas, right? But the two disciples who don't betray Jesus that are kind of the biggest boneheads, right? You have Peter who denies Jesus and cuts off a guy's ear. And then you have Thomas who doesn't believe and says, I'm not gonna believe unless I see it. 
And, and these are the two disciples that Jesus singles out and gives a deeply personal encounter. He doesn't shame them. He doesn't malign them. Like Jesus never said, doubting Thomas, doubting Thomas. Like that doesn't come from Jesus. That is like a, a weird uh, title heading that I don't know if it's Zondervan's fault or, or who, who did that, you know, but it's like for Thomas, this man had genuine questions. And so Jesus met him there. And I just want to say that, like, what happens in these moments is you have some people who it's easier for you to believe. That's a gift, you know? And then there's other people who are more cynical, skeptical. And the inclination is the cynics and skeptics criticize those that are easy to believe. And in return, those that are easy to believe criticize the cynics and skeptics. And it's like, it, what ends up happening is the judgmental spirit gets on both of us. Wow, that's really good. And I think in, in the providence of God, those of us that have an easier time to believe, we need to realize it's actually harder for those that are cynical and skeptical. Like mm. that's, a, that's a hard thing. And yet we have to realize God made them that way. Mm. And it's going to take someone like them to wrestle with truth in order to reach someone like them who needs a good evidence for it. And so like God has space, like he has space for you if you're still cynical, even if you're angry at me, like even if you're angry at Ed Stetzer, God has space for you. And I think this is where when the Holy Spirit comes and we realize it's all grace, we say, man, I'm going to bless those who curse. I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm not going to return the favor because listen, when those people who are coming at you with judgment, you're able to love, like you literally are taking the bullets out of Satan's gun before he can shoot you with it. And I just think mm. that's when like the breakthrough happens. So good, so good. Um, we're gonna go to Glenn in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, a town actually founded by the Moravians. And Glenn, you're live on the air with your question, your comment. Go ahead. Yes, I was honored to be on air last Saturday, the last caller. Oh and I shared that yeah, one powerful Christian rock song blew my life away in May eighteenth, nineteen seventy nine. Very short testimony, but uh, I was so honored to be on air with you and Greg Glory Live. It was an honor of my life because I came to the Jesus People Movement. And um, I seen the movie on Friday, last Friday, and I had a powerful witness to a janitor as I was leaving. But that's not my question. My question is the inner workings of a revival in God's providence, how he just drops it in certain places. It's not nationwide, statewide, mm -hmm. worldwide, and then it spreads. I'd like to get your opinion of that. Yeah, no, it's a great question, Glenn. And Glenn, you were a great call last week as well. All right, so so Nick, I mean, one of the things that I'm, you know, again, after saying, let's, 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 you know, leave the kids alone is kind of what I tweeted at one point. You know, let's see what the Lord's doing. Let the, let the Lord produce the fruit. Um, at the same time, I always find it a little strange that, like, something happens in a specific place, and, you know, we had thousands of people go to that place to get you know, a cup of it, and then share it back at, you know, Biola or Wheaton or Minneapolis or wherever else it may be. Um, so, I mean, how do we think about that? How do we think about outpourings, geography, and in Glenn's specific question, you know, God's sovereignty at a certain place at a certain time? Yeah, I mean, you can't deny that there's obviously something unique. Uh, when, when there's been something like this that's happened at Asbury, now this is the third time right. in the last, you know, whatever, 80 years. So, I mean, we would be foolish to not say, what are the common denominators? Like, I, 
and I, and I actually think of it in terms of like, I think God goes where he's wanted hmm. and, and like he goes where people are willing to make space for him. And, and yes, like he'll move even in places where he's not. I mean, you see road to Damascus, Saul, you know, to Paul experiences, but I would say revival and these encounters are marked by there's a hunger and a desperation. Now, again, sovereignty of God, like God has sparked this hunger. He has provoked it like he's moving. I do believe it's his work from start to finish. That said, there is like this this common denominator of like, are we willing to make space? Are we seeking the Lord? Are we humbling ourselves? Are we repenting of sin? And I've just found, man, it's like the two things, in my opinion, that are in the way most of this happening where I am is number one, my sin, and number two, my plans. Hmm. And I just think it's like the first one's obvious, right? It's like it's the things I put my hope in and trust in. It's the things I've turned to that aren't of the Lord. It's every time I seek to numb and wander in places that are not best for me. And it's all a version of self-harm if it's not Jesus. But the second thing is a little bit more complicated because in the West, man, we love our plan. We love our order. We love our structure. I was at a church recently and, and the pastor said after, I really felt like God wanted to do something, but we just had too many announcements. Hmm. And, and I just thought it was such an interesting, and he was saying it as a confession, but I just think right. like our plans as good as they are. And, and God, obviously I, I think God's a God of order. I don't, there's nothing wrong with the syllabus. There's nothing wrong with being a type A personality. But I just think we just have to recognize that sometimes we've made an idol out of our plan. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's a question of, are we willing to make space in moments where there's a stirring? Are we willing to make space? And I, I've almost pictured it as like a, a cluttered room. If you've ever been to somebody's house and there's just junk everywhere, it's like, well, clearly you're not going to stay there because there's nowhere for you to sit. You know, and yet like, and how much of our lives is that how it looks or how much of our church is that how it looks? It's like, man, we have every second, every room, everything planned. And yet it's like, man, are we willing to just clear out room to say, you know what, this isn't normal, but tonight we're opening up the church doors and we're just going to seek God. And man, maybe if your church hasn't done that a long time, that could be the perfect thing to do. And, and I tell pastors, this is, this is like a free break for you. Like you don't have to have a sermon planned. Like just get the book of Acts out or the gospels out, get somebody who can do an acoustic set, get some basic worship or hymns and just invite God to come and just say, man, we're, we're just going to come with hunger in our hearts and ask God to come and move in our midst and change us because we desperately need him. And I think he'll, he does it wherever he's invited and he's moving. And, uh, you know, one of the students said uh, at Asbury, they said, it's almost like Jesus set up a chair in this auditorium in Hughes auditorium in Wilmore, Kentucky. And he's like, and if Jesus is in the room, I got to get there, hmm. you know? And I, I do think that's an interesting picture because there are these moments where God literally comes, but I do also believe there's no more of God in Wilmore, Kentucky than there is in Chicago or Minnesota or Lubbock or, you know, Tokyo. And, and so I just think it's like, it should prompt us to hunger to say, God, if you're doing it there, do it here. You know, come, yeah. Lord Jesus, come, Holy Spirit, the Spirit and the Bride say, come. 
Love it, love it. I think we got time to get one more question, and we're going to go to Pam in Florida. But Pam, I'm going to need you to be concise because we're kind of running near the end of the program. Pam, you're live on the air. Go ahead with your question or comment. Yes, don't ever under don't ever underestimate the Lord. He knows what He's doing, and He'll do what He wants to do. People need to read Daniel and the Book of Revelation. The time is coming. Things are happening. Wake up and look. Keep your eyes on the Lord because things that are happening today are all in Revelation. And the Lord has done a mighty work in me. He took me Thank out you, of prison. Mm-hmm. Pam, we're so, I'm sorry, Pam, we're sort of running up on uh, running up on time. So thank you, thank you for that. So Nick, I mean, Pam's talking about what the Lord's doing in these days. So we've got about a minute left, and so what 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 do you see um, for next? Because you know, it's it's like you know, we say it's the revivals continued, but they're not having twenty four seven prayer meetings at the, many of these other places. Some places. So so tell me more about what you see as next is what the Lord's doing in these days. Well, I think Pam's a great example of what he's doing. And Pam, we just celebrate you. Love that God's moving in your life. And I think what's happening is God is making us soft to his presence to be quick to repent and then be quick to testify to the goodness of God. This thing is breaking out everywhere. The day the revival broke out at Asbury, uh, students at Oklahoma University got the stadium, 86,000 seat football stadium, April 29th. Um, so that's just like right in front of us. These, these events are popping up everywhere, large and small. But my, my, mm-hmm. my encouragement to people on the air is to say, we're living in a moment where God is doing something that I've never seen in my life. More people coming to Jesus, more hunger, more opportunity. I mean, Jesus revolution, he gets us. Asbury revival, what is happening? So I just want to encourage people, like put your sail up, Get on your knees, invite God to move, invite people into your living room, open up your church doors. Like, if God is moving, like, we just want to be in on it. You've been hearing from Nick Hall. Be sure to check out his book, Reset, Jesus Changes Everything. And thanks again for listening to the Sets of Church Leaders podcast. You can find more interviews like this one, as well as other great content from ministry leaders at churchleaders.com slash podcast. And again, if you found our conversation today helpful, we'd love for you to take a few moments to leave us a review. That'll help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.